So today on ODY Radio, we're happy to have Dr. Steve Newman. And instead of me doing the introduction as I usually do, what we're going to do today is let Paul handle the introduction because lo and behold, Dr. Newman was actually one of Paul's students. So Paul, take it away. Okay, thank you, Adam. Yes, uh, before he became Dr. Steven Newman, or Dr. Steve as, he, as Dr. Newman likes to be called, uh, he was just plain old-fashioned Steve Newman at uh, Nova Southeastern University. And I, we, I met him a little less than 20 years ago. And there's no question that Steve was a star even then. I mean, he absolutely stood out among the students. He was a leader there, and he, he really understood what uh, optometry is all about. Um, he now uh, is in uh, full-time practice, and he practices in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I believe it's Fort Lauderdale or one of the other communities. Now, Steve, Dr. Steve can correct me. Uh, but he has had the unique ability to put two loves together. His love of being an eye care practitioner, as well as his love of nutrition and nutrition counseling. And he's been able to do it in a single practice. Uh, more important, however, he, he's also a, an educator from the podium, uh, speaking about nutrition, as well as keep, his latest book is Feel More Alive Now. And that's available from Amazon.com. Feel More Alive Now at Amazon.com. Uh, after you like what he has to say, you may want to purchase his book. For those of you uh, where uh, Dr. Steve Newman's name is familiar, uh, that's because he's also our OD Wire Nutrition Forum consultant. So anytime you, if you're a supporting member, you can go to the Nutrition Forum and Dr. Steve will uh, have some advice about nutrition. Uh, so with that little introduction, uh, we take it away, Dr. Steve Newman, and we're going to start asking some questions. The first uh, question I have is, what does it mean to be a nutrition specialist? Well, being a nutritional specialist, basically what I do when I have my initial conversation or the history taking with my patients is I try to figure out at what part of their uh, what part of their lifestyle is out of balance. Some patients sit in the chair and while you're taking the history, they rattle off 15 different medications and all of these medications are going to have some type of negative side effect on the absorption of nutrients from their daily diet. So by gathering all this information about their medications, which we already do as optometrists, I ask the other questions like, what did you have for breakfast? And what did you have for dinner last night? And do you take any vitamins and supplements? And if you do, what are they? And then with all that information, I can put all the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out that, well, listen, Joe, you know, you're getting leg cramps and you're not exercising like your doctor told you to. But if you supplemented with coach you can, we could replenish your body with the necessary energy, and now you can get your cholesterol under control by natural ways with diet and exercise instead of prescription medication. Very so it's just another way that I do just to balance a person's uh, outlook on their overall health. That's very interesting. Now, uh, basically, you, you, you feature yourself actually as not only an optometrist but a nutrition specialist. Uh, where did you receive uh, the? Where did you or any OD what get receive the training necessary to become a nutrition specialist? Well, it, it's interesting because to become a board certified nutrition specialist, it's only available to uh, people that are already healthcare providers. So you need to be an MD, a DO, uh, a chiropractor, a dentist, an optometrist, somebody who's already in the healing arts. And then it is uh, it is a program that's uh, put onto the American College of Nutrition. 
And what we had to do, and I think to date, I think there are five optometrists in the country that are dual certified in optometry and nutrition specialty. I'm one of the five. Uh, you needed to, we needed to prove that we had uh, 1,400 hours of education on nutrition, and that includes continuing education throughout our optometric careers. And then we needed to sit for a board exam. And let me tell you, if any of you out there remember what part one of the national boards was like back before the turn of the century, this test was just as hard. It was a grueling exam that uh, was very difficult, but I did pass it, and I am board certified now. So can you take this course online, or do you have to show up in person for, for the course? Well, no, you need, to take the, you need to take the test online. In order to be able to become eligible to sit for the board exam, you need to prove that you already had the education, the 1,400 hours done. And you submit your, basically, you submit your CE slips from the prior, however long you've been practicing, and hopefully they add up to the 14. And if not, the American College of Nutrition puts on semi-annual uh, meetings, just like you know you, the big optometric conferences around the country, where you can get that education so that you can become board eligible. And then once you become board eligible, you pay and you sit for the board exam. And that right. needs to be done in person. And when you say submit your CE, you can just use COPE-approved CE, or is there any sort of uh, CE that's preferred you over can, any other? Yes. Okay. Well, the American College of Nutrition has uh, dictated that CME for MDs and DOs is, is, uh, is good for their uh, accreditation, and so is COPE. So uh, if you have the COPE-approved education in the sub-area of nutrition, uh, then yes, it would go towards that portion. So, so it's, very, it's very possible, actually, that a lot of our listeners already have a large number of these credits ready to go. Absolutely, especially some of those who, you know, uh, took a lot of undergraduate uh, courses in nutrition. They're probably a lot closer than they think to becoming board certified as nutrition specialists. So, uh, so with all the subspecialties in optometry, uh, what got you interested in nutrition? Well, this was kind of interesting because I'm going back to the time that we met Paul way back in, I think it was 1992 or 1993, when I started optometry school uh, within the first year of optometry school, my father was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Uh, I should rephrase that. Back then, it was called adult onset diabetes. Uh, they had to change the name because 11-year-olds started getting this horrible disease. So now it's type 2 diabetes. But I had a conversation with my dad after he was diagnosed. And basically, at that time, I was 250 pounds. When we met Paul, I was 250 pounds. Really? Uh, six foot, yes. I'm Must six have been all muscle. Three. You didn't look that way. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I did well. <laughs> I've always been an athlete. So at six three, two fifty, I was still able to do most everything that I could do now. Um, but I had this conversation with my dad, and I told him, I said, listen, if you start eating like a diabetic, I'll start eating like a diabetic. And within three years, I lost 45 pounds just by cutting out all the... Uh, the processed foods and the processed sugars that were in my diet, which is pretty much, at that time, the normal American diet. Uh, so with, by doing all the research for my dad and figuring out what foods, low glycemic index foods, and what carbs are good for you, what carbs are bad for you, basically finding out uh, what type of fuel I was putting into my body, I figured out that nutrition obviously has a lot to do with how you feel and how efficient your body is. Uh, after this goes on, and now, you know, fast forward to uh, 2006, where I am now a competitive triathlete. I'm already practicing for 10 or 12 years up, and, you know, in the uh, South Florida area, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. 
and I get into a bicycling accident. I fall off my bike, basically. Now, I was going pretty fast, but I almost died from this accident. Two weeks into my recovery, my wife gets diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. Now, I will tell all the listeners out there that my wife is okay. We just celebrated six years of survivors, survivorship, so that's all positive. But having the knowledge of the nutrition for diabetes, now I went even further and I started looking at all the other diseases where nutrition has an effect. And guess what? It's all of them, including cancer. And uh, since then, my wife has totally changed her diet, and she has now become a patient advocate for Memorial Healthcare System down here in South Florida, where we actually meet with people and talk to them about their diet and what they can do in order to make sure that their cancer stays in remission. So whether it has to do with eye diseases like glaucoma, macular degeneration, or dry eyes, or whether it has to do with, with cancers or diabetes or high blood pressure, there are nutritional answers. And the most important part of that is that these answers are something that our patients can do for themselves. It's something that we can lead them to, kind of like the horse to the water type thing, and not all patients are receptive to nutritional counseling. But if they are, then all of a sudden, you as a healthcare practitioner and as their doctor has armed them with knowledge where they can actually be their own doctor and they can help their doctor make decisions about their health in the future. And that's something that, that that's just a gift that, that I've been able to give my patients for the past, really, 10 years since, uh, since I've been doing it. That's better than, better than getting somebody to 2015 plus. I've got to tell you that. So, you know, I think many of our listeners now have become very eager. You've, you're a great salesman, Dr. Steve. Uh, so now, <laughs> now many of our listeners would like to know, they have an interest in nutrition, but they don't have a clue how to implement it into their practice. How, what should they do? How do they go about getting to be a, a nutrition expert? Well, it, it's not really about becoming a nutrition expert. It's more being a... Uh a part of your patient's health care. Now, if you think about the average American that's 35 to 45 years old, if they're myopic, they're coming to see their eye doctor once every year or two, but maybe they're not going to the general practitioner every year like they should for their annual physicals. So when you pick up that bulk lens and you're looking at their retinas and you're looking at the blood vessels and at the nerves, you're really the, the their conduit to their own health care the healthcare system because you're the one that has to make the diagnosis, the early diagnoses. And we all see early problems with patients. You see a little attenuation in the blood vessels. Sometimes you see a hollow horse plaque. Sometimes you see a walk stop. There's all these things that we've been taught to look for where we as the eye doctor can be the first line, first arsenal there to help our patients out. Sounds- in order to do this, it, now that's something that we all do normally. As far as nutrition goes, in order to implement it in the practice, I recommend two things. I recommend you bring your personality into the exam room with you. So if you have a picture of you finishing a 5K charity run that you did two years ago, frame it and put it in your office so that your patients will feel more comfortable talking to you about nutrition when they know that you take an active interest in it. Throw some pictures out in the waiting room. Take a... You know, a men's health magazine or a, 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 a yoga journal and throw it in the waiting room along with the other magazines that you have out there just so that when the patient walks into your office, they get that overall feeling of wellness, like this doctor is thinking about, you know, what vitamins are going to be better. 
I also recommend that you ask the questions. You're asking your question what medication they're taking. Why not ask them what vitamin you're taking? And don't ask them if they're taking vitamins. Assume that they are. It's a $4 billion industry out there, people. Somebody's taking them, somebody's paying for them, and they're sitting in your chair. So you may as well ask them about it so that you can better educate them on you know, what they're doing. I get some patients that come in and tell me that they're on, you know, Centrum, you know, a tablet multivitamin that you can get in any, you know, drugstore or supermarket, and it, although it has some nutrients in it, it doesn't get absorbed very well. So here, when you find out what they're taking, you can advise them on a better option. So you're saying take down the pictures of you winning the hot, hot dog eating contest. And put Absolutely. Up, yeah, put, up, Absolutely. put up some other Unless pictures. You, want to know, you can use that picture as the before, the before after collage. That's not a problem. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. it's Paul's after. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of money, though, uh, is, is there a, an additional fee that you charge for nutrition counseling? Well, see, when I do nutrition counseling in my office, uh, just like every other optometrist or 99% of the optometrists out there, I make my money selling glasses. So I do a, I do a uh, kind of an abbreviated nutritional counseling during my eye exams, and what I offer is I offer nutrition, family nutritional counseling where I go into my patients' homes and I go into my patients' friends' homes, and I just tear the refrigerator apart, look in their cupboards, take everything out, look at it, and educate the, uh, my, my patients or my clients and consumers about what to buy, what not to buy, and why. And that I do charge extra for. I cook, uh, I cook meals in patients' homes for them. I go shopping with them at their supermarket and teach them how to make the proper choices. And there is an additional fee that I charge for that. But the counseling that I do in my office, I do for my patients sitting here, and it's basically very limited, and it goes over basically their vitamins and supplements. But I can't do a whole workout routine and, and teach them how to cook a, a decent piece of fish while I'm asking them which is better, one or two. Right. You know, since we have you here, I have to ask your opinion, since, since you obviously do this, you know, day in and day out. We've seen a number of devices now on the market that can actually measure pigment density in, fo in people's eyes. What's your opinion about yes. those devices, uh, or if you have any? Well, my opinion is that that is a, uh, a, a, there's a, a subjective test that's out there that's put out where somebody, it's kind of like a, uh, a glorified visual field test that uh, supposedly tests macular density. Um, I'm not, I, I did that test myself a couple of years ago, and then I redid it after lunch. I did it before lunch and after lunch, and it, it is such a subjective test that I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, there are other tests out there that check for vitamin and supplement levels in the bloodstream. There's something called the spectral cell test, which is also marvelous information. All of the information that we have out there uh, is good information. It's all pieces to the puzzle. All the studies that have been done, ARETS, ARETS2, the phototrope study, there's a lot of studies out there that prove that vitamins and supplements work. Uh, getting involved in the actual pigment density it, that, to me, that's, that, maybe that's the wind of the future, but I am not sold on that. Uh, there are laser scans out there that you put your hand on a machine, and it tells you what your carotenoid level is in your skin, and uh, that's a marvelous tool that helps. But is it the end-all, save-all? I don't think so. Uh, I tend to rely more upon how my patients feel once I change their vitamin and supplement and lifestyle routine. I, I rely more on the feeling than I do on the actual numbers in the tests. Right. You know, it's kind of like the difference between a doctor that's treating a patient or a doctor that's treating the patient's blood work. 
Right. I mean, we all we all have some general practitioners out there that you know they walk right by you in, in your local supermarket because they don't know who you are. But if they saw your HDL number, they know exactly who you are. And, you know, <laughs> that's typically not the way I practice. Right. I practice more to get the patient to feel better about themselves. So, so one one question I have then, you know, in terms of changing the regimen and, and the things that they're taking, a lot of docs feel very uncomfortable making recommendations about specific products or actually even selling the products in, in their office. How do you actually handle that? Well, uh, there's two ways that I handle that. Number one, you're selling glasses. Uh, maybe you're selling a pair of digital progressives. Well, you don't really know the difference between Verilux and Shamir, but you feel comfortable making money off the patient that's buying those glasses. So I don't really buy that. I think that that's a cop-out where they don't feel comfortable. Uh, a few years ago, a question was posed to the uh, attorney for the Florida Optometric Association, an attorney named Leonard Carlson, and the question was posed, are doctors putting themselves at risk by discussing vitamins and supplements with them? And his response, this attorney, which is not a physician, the attorney's response was, well, with all the studies out there that I know of, just as a layperson that proves that vitamins and supplements for the eyes are, are healthy, I think that you're putting yourself more at risk if you're not discussing them. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty strong statement from an attorney. So if you're not talking to your patients that are suffering from macular degeneration about vitamins and supplements, if you're not talking about patients that are suffering from dry eyes, about omega-3s and turmeric and, and other things, then I really think that not only are you doing your patients a disservice, but you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not able to help your patients heal as efficiently as other optometrists out there that are implementing complementary and alternative medicine techniques with Western medicine. Right. So, so the question I have, just to get back to uh, a whole systemic use of nutrition and nutritional supplements, mm -hmm. if you're going to switch somebody or suggest that they get off of allopathic medicines for a nutritional supplement, do you uh, have one primary care physician that you deal with or could you uh, speak to their primary well, care physician? It's a very good question. Basically what I do in that situation, I will give you a for instance. A patient comes in, 55-year-old patient coming in, being treated for high blood pressure and cholesterol, and the cholesterol medication that they're put on is a statin medication. And the doctor does not tell them about any supplementation that they need to do with their statin medications. Statin medications are your, your Lipitor, your, your, your uh, Crestors, your Simvastatin, Atrostatin, Lovastatin, all your statin meds. Uh, I basically have a conversation with a patient about any symptoms that they might be having from statin toxicity, from poisoning themselves with this drug, such as leg cramps, fatigability, things like that. And then what I do is I give the patient a link to a study that proved that going on a specific supplement like niacin with Zetia, which is a prescription pharmaceutical for cholesterol, just doesn't harm the liver, how that combination actually will save your life in more cases than the statin drug. And I mention it to them so that they can bring it to their physician and see what their physician has to say. It's my, not my job to get my patient off of medications. It's my job to educate them that there are things that they can do, not only their doctor, but that they can do in order to ensure a healthier environment in their body so their doctor deems it necessary to get them off of that medication. So well, do you actually do you actually um, keep copies of monographs or abstracts around the office for a patient if you're talking to them about this? I have PDF files galore. Hmm. I mean, I just I have them all on my computer, and depending on what my patient suffers from, I print out a PDF. Uh -huh. And I say, listen, a lot of this, a lot of this information is going to be over your head 
then please, next time you go to your primary care doctor, bring it to them because they read stuff like this every day, and they're so busy with 10,000 patients, maybe they, don't re maybe they didn't read this particular journal article that is specifically helpful for you. Right. Well, and you know, you, it, it, uh, you're making I me a believer. You know, with, with this, you're, you're making me a believer because I take statins, and I had leg cramps, and I went to my, my guru advisor, Dr. Adam, here, Mm -hmm. And Adam said, you got to take magnesium. Well, I took magnesium for one night, and I spent the next day in the bathroom. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot to mention to take the aluminum at the same time. So, I, I apologize. So, yes. Well, actually, it's cocutane, Paul, that you need to use. You need the cocutane yeah. more than magnesium for the toxicity of the statin drugs. <laughs> well, getting back to the questions there, uh, you, uh, do you actually write a, a prescription for a specific brand and dosage when you're, you're giving advice about what type of uh, 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 homeopathic medications to use for the eyes? Yes. yes, whether it be holistic or homeopathic, I typically write down my recommendations and then on the same prescription pad, I write down a couple of websites that my patients go, can go to so that they can see where I'm coming up with this dosage and where I'm coming up with this brand and why this brand over that brand. I'll give you four instances. There are plenty of retina specialists out there that are telling their macular degeneration patients, oh, you can just go to uh, Walmart and buy lutein at Walmart. Well, not all lutein. Most optometrists know that lutein and zeaxanthin, there are, there are basically our, our carotenoid protectors against macular degeneration. But what they don't realize is that lutein is a molecule, and you can change that molecule 80 different ways for 80 different reasons, especially for cost reasons. And there's only one type of lutein that's ever been proven to be beneficial for the eyes, and that's something made by a company called Floraglow. It's out of Kevin Health makes it. Floraglow lutein is a fantastic lutein, but even that is only 10% pure. So in order to get what I recommend is 20 milligrams of lutein per, you know, per capsule, it needs to be derived from 200 milligrams of lutein. And that four milligrams sitting in the Walmart in that bottle is just four milligrams, so it's about as, as good as a point four milligram dosage. So not all of them are the same, and I do take the time to explain this to my patients so that they understand the differences. Do, do you work with any specific retinologists that, that have the same philosophy as you do? Well, unfortunately, for a retinologist to have the same philosophy as me, they'd be out of business because, my, in, my, in my opinion, I want to keep my patients away from the retinologist because what do retinologists do? Number one, they're treating people with either lasers or injections, and they're treating people that are already at the wet stage. I want wet macular degeneration to be a thing of the past. And to be honest with you, if you look at all other forms of medicine from around the world, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, there is no such thing as macular degeneration. There is something where you have a liver imbalance that causes bleeding, but in America, you can't build for that. There's no code for that. So in America, we have something called macular degeneration, and the retinologists have created this little cottage, cottage industry for themselves where they, you know, do an injection, but, oh, my God, we've got to do this again in 30 days, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Whereas in my practice, I try to take the patient with that dry macular degeneration and the drusen, and I try to change their lifestyle to keep them out of the retina specialist's chair. Sure. So, you know, what's your philosophy? Do you think that what we spoke about today uh, could be a wonderful course in optometry colleges? 
Do you think it should be taught in optometry school? I do, and kudos to those optometry schools that are already putting nutrition into the curriculums. Uh, my only personal issue, a little pet peeve that I have about most optometry schools, when you're going to teach a subspecialty in optometry, it often helps to have somebody that is practicing that subspecialty to come in and help with the teaching of the students. When you have a didactician, somebody who is just somebody who graduated optometry school, hired by the school, they've never been out in private practice, and they're the ones that are teaching the students how to incorporate nutrition into the practice. And that really doesn't work very well. You're going to get a lot of sleeping students with that. So my passion is to get into all the optometry schools and try to get the students fired up about taking their passion. If their passion happens to be nutrition, maybe they're a personal trainer before going to optometry school, and how to incorporate that passion into the rest of their lives of practicing as an optometrist. Sure. So speaking about the rest of your lives, uh, can you go over uh, for the curious, I'm sure our, our listeners are curious, uh, what's your daily diet? <laughs> and what do you take for vitamins? So just give us a, well, something. My daily do. diet, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Basically, I'm like a baby. If you think about a baby, what is a baby's day like? A baby eats, a baby poops. A baby eats, a baby poops. A baby eats, a baby poops. So I basically eat five or six times a day, and I'm going to the bathroom five or six times a day. And the type of food that I eat is basically determined by what I'm planning on doing the following day. So, for instance, tomorrow I have a 75-mile bike ride on my schedule for the morning. So my diet today is going to be loaded with uh, whole grain carbohydrates and lots of water so that I have the energy needed to ride tomorrow. So basically I will eat uh, 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 my steel-cut oatmeal for breakfast, then I have some Greek yogurt for lunch, then I have a piece of fish here, I have a handful of almonds there. I'm constantly grazing. I'm constantly putting small amounts of food into my system so that my insulin surge never goes. My insulin is released steadily throughout the day so that my risk, which as you know now, because my dad is a diabetic, I have that in my family history, I'm going to reduce that risk as much as possible. So I eat six, seven meals a day, uh, lots of water, lots of exercise. Do you, do you set up a small office in the bathroom so you don't waste too much time? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, so, so we're, we're just, about, uh, just about winding up. Uh, do you have a, a simple bit of a, a piece of advice you can give our listeners to help them get on with a healthier life? Yeah, if I can give any, any something that's simple that, that you can think about, you know, two words, portion control. Uh, the major problem with obesity, uh, now I'm a, I'm a baby boner, baby boomer, uh, uh, the latest generation that we're, grow, that we're bringing up in America, I have coined the double XL generation because they're just huge. With all the excess of hormones that they're eating from the flesh of the meat and the milk of the, of the animals that, that, we're, that we're milking, it's just ridiculous how big this uh, this generation, the millennium generation, is getting. So I've coined them the double XL generation. But for the normal practicing optometrist that's out there, the, uh, the problem that we have is we have a sedentary profession where we're basically sitting in a chair most of the day with limited movement. And we have a, basically a nine-to-five schedule. So if you could limit the size of your lunch and limit the size of your breakfast, limit the size of all your meals and just control the portions and add a little movement into your life, 
I think that, that, that in one year, I would guarantee that the average person is at least 5% lighter if they just did that. They don't have to change what they eat, just the amount that they eat. Yeah, got that, Paul? That's, that's a, <laughs> boy, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm, I'm going to become a believer after this half hour. <laughs> Good luck. Dr. Steve, thanks so much for spending the time with us. Uh, and we're going to, I hope there's a bunch of questions that people have. They can add the questions on to this, which should be ready in about a week, you'd say, Adam? That, yeah, this, this broadcast will actually be available a week from today. So, yes. So. About a week. Uh, and also, for those of you that uh, have a, a gold star under your name and, and are supporting members, remember, Dr. Steve has a nutrition forum uh, for our supporting members. So you can ask any questions you wish, and he'll be happy to respond to them. Dr. Steve, thanks so much for your time. And we'll see you on OD Wire. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, Paul.